Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I am your host, Joe. And we're here today to talk about episode 507 of Outlander, entitled The Ballad of Roger Mack. It's a yeah. good title. It's, it's a really good title. It's a good title. Um, title sort of indicates that it's going to be a light episode. To me, it's a very breezy title. This is not a breezy, easy episode. No, heavy. This heavy is a episode. Heavy episode. This is yep. a fantastic episode. It's pretty good. It's really One good. One of the better ones of the season for sure. Um, th- we'll start off with the title card, which if I have any complaints about this episode, it's probably this title card, which... To me, it just felt completely irrelevant to what this entire episode was about. It's a shot of young Roger in the 60s. He's creating music. Um, I just don't think it's reflective of all of the things that happen. No, and I mean, this is, they've kind of done this a few times this season where the the title card is sort of irrelevant to what actually happens in the episode. Uh, Not always, but this one... And this to me, one, like it's this, happened a few times. It's, I mean, there's a lot of things you could have shown, right? Like this is this is a heavy Jamie yeah. episode and his internal struggles. I mean, we could have like a shot of Murdy, maybe. I mean, some things happen in this episode for sure. So maybe they just didn't want to give anything away. That's true. But um, what they do give away in the title card is that this episode was written for television by Tony Graffia. Right. One of your, if not your, favorite Outlander writers. Tony Graffia is definitely one of them. And Kenny, who wrote a number of episodes in season one and season two, was also yep. also a fave of mine. Right. But of the existing writers. Tony Graffia is definitely my favorite. favorite. Yes. Um, and this episode, speaking of favorites, this episode begins with a timestamp. Yeah, I know. Seventeen seventy one. It's a little treat. A little treat for Joe. Two timestamps in a row. Two episodes in a row. I wonder if they listen. Do you think they listen to our podcast? I think they do. I'm pretty... It's probably Ronald D. Moore and Diana Gabaldon yeah. get together every... When do we release this? Tuesday night? Tuesday night. And they're like, let's just get together and yeah. listen to Loinland. What are Joe and Megan what, saying? What's Joe going to shit on this week? <laughs> let's let's listen to that. That's probably happening. No, it's So not. it's a... It's great. So seven, 1771, Hillsboro, and we have a voiceover. So immediately you feel like you're, you're, you're in it, right? Yeah. Roger is singing Oh My Darling Clementine to Jemmy. And I just want to say, at one point, Jemmy turns and looks at him. This child, I don't know if they've CG'd Ed Spieler's face to this child, but he looks so much like Stephen Bonnet. I wouldn't put it past him. To have done that. Yeah. But, no, seriously. But, uh, yeah, he does kind of look a little bit like uh I don't know. Did, I mean, Steven. is that was it intentional? You didn't say anything. Like, I turned and looked at you. I didn't notice. Until okay. you pointed it out, I, I didn't really notice. But then when you did point out, I was like, yeah, he does kind of look like Stephen Bonnet. Yeah. Sweet moment between um, Jemmy and Roger, though. And then Lizzie comes in and takes Jemmy for breakfast. And you asked do you remember what you asked you said does roger yeah. resent lizzie yeah I, I i just i want like i feel like if i was roger <laughs> and just have like a dark streak and a bit of a chip on my shoulder sometimes i probably wouldn't like lizzie that much i mean she was basically the root cause of oh, a goodness. lot a lot of shit a in, lot of in shit roger max life a lot so uh and i also like in this episode unrelated note that suddenly he had the nickname roger mac despite the fact that i can't remember anyone calling him that 
earlier. No, they've called him that. In the show? Yeah, absolutely. I slept through it. All right. (laughs) So Roger and Brianna say goodbye. Um, Sophie Skelton is mumbling again. I'm not sure why we're, we're back to that emoting maybe because this is an emotional scene roger says that um well he points out that his father died in world war ii before he could even get to know him or form real memories of him and he's like and i was a year older than jemmy so it's obviously on roger's mind he's like hey knock knock who's there i'm going to battle that's right don't want to (laughs) die yeah also i don't think i'm gonna be great at it yeah like he's from what i've seen of myself I am a shit warrior. Right. I mean, if you look at how he's going into battle as opposed to Jamie, who's, he's like, oh, it's my birthday. Do you want some birthday sex? Oh, yeah. He is, Jamie is not where Roger is at all. No. He's very confident about his ability. And he's juggling and there's so much more weighing on Jamie at the beginning of this battle than on Roger. It's an interesting, it's an interesting Yeah, this is battle like. 158 for jamie yeah old old hat right so um we have roger and brianna say goodbye and then we have jay frey's 50th birthday he's taking stock his own little birthday party he is did you notice that he is rubbing his sore hand at the beginning of it i did not notice i thought this was i thought this was kind of nice so he's rubbing the hand that blackjack hammered hammered and then well he nailed crushed and then nailed yeah and Claire fixed, but in the book, it all, like, his hand is never, it's never totally 100%. I mean, that plays. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, So I did like that he, that was what he was rubbing when he woke up as though right. it was showing, like, it aches. You can't have that happen to your hand even when you're 21 and not have it affect you for the rest of your life kind of thing. Makes sense. Um, and then they have sex. Well, there was this really sweet moment, though, where she says... Do you remember she asks him if he's having a hearing trouble? No. And he goes, hey. Was I, that was sweet? No, I, I missed it. I thought it was funny. Was it? Well, they're joking. I, I love when it. they joke. They were like playful with each other. Just no. the way Sam Hewen was like, eh? Like he didn't hear what she said. Get right. it? Because yeah, she, no, do you get it? Yeah, do you get no, it, Joe? <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. Them's the jokes, people. And then she sings happy birthday to him and they have sex. Mm-hmm. They have happy birthday sex. Yeah, I didn't mind it. It was fine. It was fine. It was... I got a little wincy because I'm like, oh, but they pulled it off. It didn't seem, uh, I mean, it didn't seem like out of place or forced. Like that was a natural sex scene. And if you're going to have one, I guess that's that's how you do it. That's how they did it. Yeah. And then you said, oh, Balfi boobs. Yeah. You're like, haven't seen those for two seasons. Yeah. And you're like, remember the first season where she was just always topless? She was topless all the time. Yeah. And then, and then like none. And now, you know... I guess they have some sort of like, I take mine off, you take yours deal. Because we have, really haven't seen Sam Hume with his shirt off either. I know. But we, but saw we it certainly did. We yeah. certainly did. Meanwhile, the Redcoats and Jamie are getting ready for the fight. Right. So. Governor Tryon. Governor Tryon is, he's like, he's really, really ready. Jamie immediately brings up the fact that this is a very uneven war. Right. Well, yeah. They've got like heavy artillery. Got They've cannons. got cannons. Um. I thought, I don't know if you felt this, but I thought it was really interesting to watch Jamie navigate through the situation. He's trying to play, he wants to be on the right side, but he owes it to Governor Tryon, but he's trying to fight fair. Right. Like, I thought he was playing it really well. Yeah, no, he he is walking a a thin, fine line. Has been for a few episodes. 
And then what did you think about the scene where Jamie was passing along the yellow flowers to everyone so that people could separate the militia and the regulators? Yeah, no, I mean, well, that's that's a real thing that that actually happened. I just feel like that's a tough way to distinguish, like at first glance, because some of them had it on their chest. Some of them like Jamie had it in his hat. And yeah. I just feel like they all look exactly the same. And if you're shooting you're not going to be like, okay, let's look up there, and then is it down? Oh no, no it's, it's on his leg. It's you're, on his leg. I can't. I don't need to shoot him. It's true, but it is. It is better than nothing, you know. But yes. Uh, but yeah, no, you're you're right. It's a pretty small. Uh, what are they? I can't remember what it was called. Brocade. I can't remember what they called it. But yeah, uh, yeah, it is small, but it's it is something. Yeah, flathead arrives, and there's flat m- hat. Flat hat. Oh, we I, don't know if his head is flat. Right, flat hat arrives. Yeah, and there's still major unresolved anger and conflict between him and Alicia's family father right. from Brownsville. It's like, why is Flat Hat there? Like he just, that he, and he just has this like dumbass look on his face. Like what? Something bad was going to happen if I showed up. It's like, I understand he's loyal to Jamie, but, but what do you think was going to happen? Yeah. But all of these scenes, so there's this scene and then there's the scene where Jamie, he sits down on the bench with the two young boys and he's talking to them about killing and about war. And you can feel the anticipation. It feels like it's the day before. Did you feel it, Joe? Did you feel the anticipation? Well, not really. Okay. Kind of. It's interesting that, I mean, that conversation with the two boys about war was actually ended up being an extremely important conversation uh, to how this episode plays out because... It's the two boys, those are the two boys that Roger recruited in the farm. Those are the, the two sons of the the mom. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yes. And right. the one boy. Yeah, well, whatever. Right. Yeah, so, but, but they don't know what to do. And Jamie basically tells them, you know, if you think, you you will die. Like, you're, yeah. you're, like, act. Just go and act. Don't think, just act, is essentially what he says. And they're all freaked out, but they're ready to go. And Jamie seems older in this scene. I mean, older than a couple 12-year-olds for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't seem 50, but whatever. See, and I don't feel like it's, I mean, he obviously, he obviously looks good for his age, but Sam Hewen's 40. He's playing right. a 50-year-old. That's not with, that's not out of the realm of possibility, Absolutely right? Not. Like, it's not like, oh, they've got this 25-year-old playing a 50-year-old. It's so dumb. Like, he's 40. Like, I would because- say he... Sam Hewen, like, is giftedly, he gift, giftedly? That's not, anyway, whatever. Uh, he does look young, I think, for his age, just in general. Like, I think seeing so too. photos I think of so him and stuff yeah. like that, like, he doesn't look 40. No. Like, in some pictures I've seen of him recently, like, if you told me he was 29, I'd believe it. Like, I know. He's, he's a pretty young looking guy. Well, and it's interesting because when they first cast Sam Hewen and Katrina Balfe, everyone, like, all the book people were asking Ronald D. Moore what his game plan was they were like so are you casting these two actors for the first two seasons and then recasting for season three four and five right and his argument was no because we cast carefully because at the time that he first cast katrina Balf and sam hewen they were in their like early to mid 30s right so he felt like they could be playing 20s but that they would also be able to push it to 40s and I mean, every season takes so long to film that they're catching up. No, they are catching Cause up. Because Balfi is, I don't know, I think she's a year older than him. Yeah. I mean, she also doesn't look however old she's, 50 something, but she definitely looks older. Yeah. 
So the reverend brings a letter to Governor Tryon. And I really like this reverend. He reminded me of, help me out, Okay. the actor who is... The actor who is what? Come on, we can do it. Um, he's with Benedict Cumberbatch in Sherlock Holmes. Martin, Fr- Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. I got it. <laughs> the Reverend reminded me of Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman, really? Yeah. Okay. He was just very kind, and he he truly seemed. You know, he said, "I you know weddings are so much better for me than this. This is super dark and depressing. I'm not into this. Yeah. Here's a letter. Let's let's uh let's, let's just let's call peace. Let's make peace. Governor Tryon." says a bold stroke is needed and you realize he's a bit of an egomaniac hey? he's a totally i mean you you've gotten that a few times i mean you got it really from the wedding on oh yeah and yeah. uh they've really like i mean i remember meeting governor tryon last season and he didn't seem as like bad guy as he does but they really like right from the get-go played him off as like i'm i'm bad guy Mm -hmm. and uh yeah same thing where it's like we gotta teach those rapscallions a lesson and blah 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 and like he's you know like basically jamie uh you know is is just going along with it he doesn't want to but but he knows he has to yeah because it's like trying could turn on him in any second and be like string this scottish douchebag up you know what i mean Like, like yeah i agree uh, then we have Brianna. She's staying at a friend. She's staying with a friend of Aunt Jocasta's, right. which I'm really glad they clarified because right in the beginning when she and Roger were saying goodbye to the other, each other, you were talking about how they must run in like really high circles. You're like, no wonder Brianna doesn't want to go yeah, like back. That's... Like, look how rich they are. They're so well off. Yeah. Yeah. They they seem, I mean, just in general, they, they, they seem like they're pretty loaded. Although I, I will say, I don't think that Brianna was wanting for very much when she was growing up with Frank and Claire. Like, I no. think that was like a very well-to-do household in no, Boston. You're right. But uh, just in general, like, they're not they're well, not hurting. Aunt Jocasta is a good connection to have in that area, yeah. I think. Yeah, well, she is loaded. She is loaded. Yeah. Right. And Jamie has made a name for himself. So he's very well-respected and... Yeah. Yeah. They get to stay in highfalutin houses. They certainly do. Now we have Jamie in the water and he's speaking Gaelic and he's calling on Dougal McKenzie. And when you saw it, you said, um, is he getting like all of his shirtless claws? Yeah, yeah. Like he's got like uh, so many shirtless scenes a season. So he's just like, let's check him off in this one. Yeah, it seemed yeah. like it. Yeah. Hey, um, but I like that he was calling on Dougal McKenzie because he was a war chief. Right. And his uncle. Um, and it was just like a little, I feel like a little nod to, as to what's to come, as to what's a little to wink, come. wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have Brianna and she's, as you said, this is a quote, riding the shit out of the horse yes. as she gallops. She's apparently, you're like, apparently she's become a very confident rider. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if she had, uh, help me out loinies. Was she like an equestrian master before oh. she traveled through time? Cause like I said, she's riding the shit out of that horse. Like she is going. She looks like the Lone Ranger. I don't know. She looks great. She looks no, she really does. good or riding whatever, that horse. Sorry, whatever stunt woman was riding that horse knows how Did to ride really the hell well. out of a horse. Yeah. yeah, I will say I noticed that when it first occurred to her because she was looking at a map. When it first occurred to her that she needed to send the message, mm-hmm. when she realized what was going to happen, she had her hair up in a bun. And then as she was riding, her hair was flowing yes. behind her. And I thought, 
if I'm getting on a horse, like right, the shit right now, for example, my hair is in a bun. Yeah. As it often is right. these days. So, but it, let's say right now I have to get on a horse and ride to give someone a message. I wouldn't even know where to find you a horse. Well, let's say there was a horse here. Okay. You're missing the point. Fair. Which is, I'm not going to take my bun out before I get on the horse. My bun's going to stay in my head. I'm going to get on the horse. No. I'm going to ride. It seems like an unnecessary step. It does. Yeah. But it looked great. It so looked great. maybe that's yeah. why they did it. I'm sure it is. So she's remembered what's happened in this battle. Tryon is going to win, but it will lead to the American Revolution. Pretty important. It is important. So it's there's sort of a funny moment here between her and Claire and Roger and Jamie, because Claire's like, well, let's go give the information to Myrta. We'll just stop this right here and now. And Brianna is says, isn't that like changing? Yeah, don't we, wanna, we don't really want to fuck up the American Revolution. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Which, and for the, I think the first time ever they ever thought about the ramifications of all the things that they do in the past. Well, and Claire just looks at her annoyed and says, well, something... Oh, no, Jamie says, well, couldn't something else maybe lead to the American? Because he just wants to right. keep Myrta safe, right? Yeah. So he's like, well, couldn't something else lead to the American Revolution? And he Claire, doesn't even know what that is. Yeah, and Claire just looks over at Brianna and she was like, of course it could. Yeah, well, like, she's Claire. She's like, I will will it. I will will America into existence. Um, Which you said at that point, you said Claire obviously has no intention to ever go back. Yeah, because, she doesn't care how much of the future she fucks no. up because she's never going back. No, but then you pointed out that she's encouraging Roger to go back. Yeah. But to what? Like to it, it, an America that they won't even recognize if they keep doing this kind of thing. It doesn't even exist. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an interesting, I mean, thing that... I'm sure it was never really given too many thoughts in the book. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But but like it's it just seems interesting that Claire would be so brazen about uh, affecting the past, you know, that, you know, affecting major events that uh, and then but be like, OK, well, then I also want to send my daughter, her husband and my grandchild back to that future, which. It's like, who knows what the hell it is, right? Like, it's... It is interesting, and I feel like Claire switches. Because in the second book, Dragonfly and Amber, I don't know... They bring this up. Oh, you didn't really watch the second season. We'll no. go back and watch it together, though. No, we will not. So when Jamie realizes that Black Jack is alive, yeah, he's going to kill him. And scene. Claire begs him to just wait for, I think it's a year, because she knows he's going to marry and have what she thinks is going to be frank so she's like please just wait because if you kill him now then frank doesn't exist right and so it seemed like very very important to her at that point that she didn't want to change the course of history maybe she's still deep in her mind thought she might go back mm, maybe maybe i don't know but it is she does sort of flip-flop she's loin committed at this point at this point she yeah. certainly is Roger says that he will deliver the message to Myrta. As he points out, he's the only one who can do it. He knows, Myrta knows Roger's from the future. He's And he knows he's part of the clan and he can be trusted. But everyone is very worried about him doing it. Yeah. See, Jamie just stares at him and says, it's very dangerous. Yeah. And Brianna is like, her eyes are darting everywhere. Poor Roger. But yeah. Roger, he's not like, guys, no problem. Even he's like, I know I'm a little bit stressed, but I can't think of anyone else who can do this. No, and I mean, as it turns out, they were right, because Roger does bork it in the end, but, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Oh, my goodness. 
So Claire starts preparing to heal all the wounds from the battle. So she's got all of her different little magic potions and she has penicillin. Then she makes a comment about how she wishes that she'd had it at Preston Pans. And she says, imagine the lives I could have saved. And she's referring to Angus because... Right. I don't know if you remember, but Angus dies at Preston Pans and it's very, very upsetting. It was a little upsetting. Um, I liked Angus only mostly because he was Rupert's favorite buddy. But uh, yeah, she wouldn't have had the penicillin back then. But uh, but yeah, I can yeah. understand her regret. Yeah, same. So Roger does make it to Murta and he pulls him aside. Murta's giving a speech, sort of ramping all of his men up. And then Roger pulls him aside and delivers the news. And Richard Rankin is amazing in this scene. Do you remember him? He's so convincing. And he says, if you wait in a few years, we'll all be fighting on the same side. It's true. Uh, Did you notice how great he was in this scene? Not really. I couldn't get over the fact that somehow Roger, the world's uh, least awesome and clumsiest historian, Mm -hmm. managed to like stealthily find his way in the dark and literally walk into the regulators camp and get within about 15 feet of their leader. Like if it was that easy to walk into their camp... Why didn't the Redcoats just send an assassin to walk up to 15 feet away from Murtaugh and shoot him? Like, if they know where he is, how can Roger just walk in the front door and literally stand there? Well, not everybody knows where he is. Obviously, Jamie knows where he is. Does he? Well, someone that is close to him knows where he is. It's like, I just found the security to be a little lax. (laughs) If you're, like... Like, if Roger can sneak in anywhere, then literally any, like, I, anyway, I didn't, that, that was distracting to me. It's like, no one notices he's here? It's like, no one wants I know, Murta just looks over and he's like, oh, hey, you're here. No, no one, managed, like, saw him just walk in? Like, come on, do you not post guards? I mean, in, anyway, that, that's, right. that's what, so, but you were, you were too was, enamored by Richard Rankin. I thought he was doing a great job. Uh, I mean... He's obviously a hell of a ninja, um, but but also quite so, the negotiator. Sorry. So Murta reads the letter from Tryon. It's not a nice letter. It's not a peace offering. Um, but he does try and convince them. He, he can't. They are ready for battle. Roger urges him. Actually, he begs him to leave and just save himself. And... Uh, Murray kind of thinks about it. I think he sort of does. Well, he yeah. knows why, right? Like, he knows... Like, it's not, this message is on beha- is not on behalf of Roger. I mean, I, I think Roger likes Murta, but it's like, he knows that this is a message from Jamie begging him to save himself. Well, and also, I think no matter how passionate his warrior's heart is, I think he believes Roger. Like, I think he's seen enough of these future people to, <laughs> yeah. to, to believe it when they say something's gonna going happen. to happen. Yeah. You know, so I, I think he... You know, but he's in, he's in a real shit position because at that point he's led all these people and he can't just walk away and screw them over and be like, later, y'all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so he's kind of in between a, a rock and a hard place there. He is. But Roger does his best and then he leaves. Sort of. What else can he do? He can't put him in a headlock and no, drag him. No, he leaves, him. but then he goes and does something stupid. But anyway. Well, he sees... 
he sees Morag McKenzie. Right. Who he bonded with on the ship. Kind of. And saved. But then he gets all weirdly flirty and handsy with her. So here's, this is interesting. You said that they, that he has more chemistry with her than he has with Brianna. Like, you said you actually found him charming in this scene. I thought he was charming towards her. I felt like he was hitting on her, and apparently so did fake Dougal. It's not fake Dougal. It's Dougal. (laughs) It's Dougal's son. Oh, is that who that's supposed to be? Or don't... I explain this to you. So, Ah. Galus and Dougal had a son. That's the son. Also, by the way, Rogers... It makes a lot of sense. He looks just like Dougal. (laughs) Okay, are you doing this on purpose? Okay, so that's why Roger is attached also to Moreg is that it's it's his distant relative and he's adopted. He's never experienced this stuff before. It's, right. He's attached to her and to her son right. and he's not really flirting because he's like, I have a son of my own now. I like, mean, he I'm seems married. really flirty. He, like, he, they bump heads and he's like all like, ha ha, tee hee. And she is not really into it, but he's all like, I like your short hair. And she's, you know. Her hair's not of, short. It's just pulled know, up. The way in it's a, pulled up. Yeah. And then he gets all like huggy and handsy well he and says shit. you're always no matter what happens here yeah. you're always welcome at fraser's ridge which by the yeah. way is with his wife and child which she knows wow. he's trying to protect her and then you hear get away from my wife yeah and it's Fugle's voice yeah yeah no Fugle's not happy with the situation like he just <laughs> i mean if i'm Fugle and i come up and some weird poncy ponytail dude has got his hands all handsy on my wife mm-hmm. he's pregnant by the way I'm not into that at all. That's That would piss me off. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Jamie right. is looking everywhere for Roger. He's like, where is he? Has anyone seen Roger Matt? Has anyone seen him? Where is right. he? Like, he's like, today's the day. Like, yeah. it's morning. He, like, we, right, he's right. not captain for no reason. Like, yeah. he's supposed to be here. Yeah, he's not there. Um, well, si- side note, I read this quite funny review of this episode, and I, I should give this person credit, but I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but... Um, she watches the show and writes and you would really like her reviews because she says things like, so I don't know if you noticed, but just going back a bit when they're all preparing for battle and Jamie's talking to Tryon and then Roger rides up on his horse like super late and Jamie's like, get in line. (laughs) She described it as, is Roger that guy that walks in super late to a meeting holding a Starbucks? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's pretty much I think that's accurate. That is that's definitely the attitude that Jamie gave him. Yeah, well, just seemed a little pissy about it, but and yeah. and even and then in this scene where Jamie's like, "Where is he?" He's yeah, just like, no, "What he's, is he's with useless, this guy? He's like Chad, the useless employee. Yeah, um, and that's that is what he is. Uh, we also sorry we forgot to mention that Fugle once he got pissed off at uh roger like headbutt well not headbutts him what's it called when you smoked him in the face with the butt of a of a rifle and Mm -hmm. knocked him out so roger out of the ball game yeah poor roger (sighs) poor rog poor rog while jamie is it all works out in the end guys don't worry no it doesn't um while jamie is looking everywhere for roger tryon comes up and tells him to wear the red coat jamie obliges but begrudgingly yeah and this is this is a total power play by tryon Mm-hmm. right like he's for two reasons because you know i think secretly tryon knows that you know jamie is his loyalties are split so he wants he wants the regulators to see jamie in a red coat like he's like hey if you think you guys are all gonna chum up and mm-hmm. turn on me yeah. you know mid battle well you know 
Look at the look at the big abs in the red coat there. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you jumped ahead a little bit because Sorry. then it does go back to Fugle, as you're calling him, right. and that's when oh, he Fugle gets like quite aggressive. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like for me, that's when I really noticed. I'm like, oh my goodness, Graham McTavish is so great. It's so nice to have him back. Unfortunately, he is a big jerk too. And when either Dougal or Fugle gets upset, like there's no... They have the fire in them. They do. So he knocks Roger right out. Right out, yeah. Jamie sees, or sorry, Claire sees Jamie in a red coat and she says, Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ, which you said seems so forced. Every time she says it, it seems so forced. I, I have know to agree. I know it's a book thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's like a book callback and I get that. But I feel like it's something that maybe plays a lot better on the page. Like whenever she says it, it just seems like really shoehorned in to I agree. me. It's like way too many syllables. No, you know, no one would say that. But I agree. Uh, whatever. So they say their goodbyes. And I really like this scene because she's feeling nervous, as you would, as I would be if you if I was saying goodbye to you before you went to battle. But he brings up their obituary. And he says, um, he, you know, he essentially is saying, like, don't be sad about me going to battle because we don't know when, but we do know we're going to die together. And he kisses her hand and he's like, see you soon. Right. So unless somebody builds a cabin in the middle of the battlefield and lights it on fire, they're safe. With you beside yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah together. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really liked that uh, just because it's a reminder that it's a time traveling show. Right. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, that was it. Then we're at the start of the battle. And Jamie gives a pep talk, but it's not really like a Braveheart pep talk. It's, uh, we're not here to kill our brothers. Yeah. We're here to end this. That's right. Take prisoners, save souls. And then he pauses. Doesn't have to be a massacre. That's it's like, right. oh yeah. my God, Jamie. Yeah. Like... Basically completely <laughs> doing a 180 from what he told those kids at the picnic table. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, plays into the the situation it does but yeah it's a bit of a mixed message from uh colonel mckenzie so nope. the battle Prisoner. begins Prisoner. you immediately felt like it was a trap you said yeah. uh it's a trap it's yeah, guerrilla warfare right. it's what they should do right because you said there's only nine of them yeah. there we know they have yeah. two thousand you started throwing out numbers and calculations and <laughs> it seemed, you were very suspicious it right off the hop. like i mean i don't understand why they would do that yeah like they sent they we know they have two thousand and they send like seven of them out there and they're just like, let's run into the woods. Like, what do you think? Like, we've got them on the run. Like, you, there's nine of them there. Like, mm-hmm. wh- like, what do you think was going to happen? They're, they're totally playing right into the hands of the regulators. I don't know if this is how that battle went down. If the battle was even real. Uh, probably not. But uh, Oh, I think it was. was of course it? it was, yeah. We'll, we'll have to Google this. We but uh, I just feel like that is not the way that the British Army fought. So uh, well, I'll have to do some supreme Googling there. But... Uh, so Jamie and a bunch of men go into the forest and hide behind a stump. And that's when his red coat just seems like the worst thing that he could possibly be wearing in this forest. It's standing out like a sore thumb. And he says, fight as they do. And then he taps John Quincy Myers and says, Myers, with me. And you're like, yeah, that's what I'd ask for too. And you said, John Quincy's not up on his cardio, but he's a fucking bear. And that's who I want beside me. Damn right. <laughs> I want, if I'm going into a fight, it's like, I want John. It's, if it's like John Quincy Myers, Flat Hat, or Roger, it's like, there's oh, no yeah. question who's coming with me. I want the guy who looks like he could like rip a telephone book in half. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an old <laughs> reference. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, same yeah. though. That's same. Right. Rip a iPhone and have I yeah, don't know. What's I don't right. know. What's the but matter? I would also want him with me. Uh, flat hat comes in. Uh, you see him. He's shot from behind. Claire is so awesome. Like she, when he yeah. comes into it's, her, it's really tent, important. He gets shot from behind. It is, and she's so competent. This is like the Claire that I love because he's like, "Tell Alicia I love her," and she's like, "You're not going to die. You can tell her yourself." And he's like, "She's due next month," and she's like, "And you'll be there for the right. birth." Like well, she's this is, very calm. Yeah, and this is like season one. Yeah, you know, like World War Two triage nurse Claire. Yes. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, you know who doesn't love it though is Alicia's father, that yeah. grumpy man from Brownsville. He's such a dick and he crushes her penicillin right which was really upsetting well but claire basically accuses him of murdering uh oh she calls him out she calls him out claire is not afraid of no she's not at all but she doesn't completely say it but she strongly implies it and uh a dickhead guy is like no woman talks to me like that woman and then he uh crushes the the magic penicillin and claire is devastated. I was too. Devastated. I was That's too. Right. And I was, immediately she's like, Brianna, big 20 loaves of bread. No. That's very clever. No, yeah. she doesn't say that. Then we have a bunch of slow-mo fighting. I can't really tell what's going on, but I know that the regulators aren't doing well. And then we have Jamie go up against someone who's about to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And then he gets butted in the head. That's right. It's Murdy. Murdy he saves, saves him. Jamie's life. And That's they, right. And then there's just a moment. You can tell that Murta is about to say something about the red coat he's wearing, right? Like he kind of looks right. him he's up like, and down. Yeah. And then Murdy gets shot. Which, it just looked like he was shot in the stomach. I feel like he died really fast I mean, and really hard I don't for know just a there. shot. In, I, I know, know we, have a, we have a doctor listener out there. Oh, uh, doctor that? listener, yeah. where did Murtaugh get <laughs> shot? That's a, that's an official, who our loiny doctor. Who, uh, where did he, what, what, was that an organ? What, what happened there? How did he die so quickly? It was really quick and he picks him up and he leans him right. against a tree and I read enough, I read far enough to know that when Murtaugh in the books die on Culloden, you don't actually yeah. hear how it happens until later. Jamie finally tells Claire, but he said that he was up against a tree and Jamie was with him and he says, do not worry, it does not hurt it a bit to die. It's like mm-hmm. a very sad scene. Oh, it was good. And they, they obviously, they replicated it here. Tony Graffia would know that that was important. No. Well, and I want to say the other important thing that happened here is that who shot Murtaugh I know. was the kid who Jamie was giving the pep talk to and he was so excited. He's like, I did I didn't, I didn't hesitate. Didn't, yeah. I didn't hesitate. Colonel Fraser, I didn't hesitate. And Jamie wasn't feeling it. Uh, obviously. Well, so, we completely dismissed him. But this scene, I mean, I'm I'm so torn for so many reasons. There's a part of me, and I'm sorry to all the book lovers out there, but I feel like you killed Murdy. I feel like there were so yeah, many complaints about his, about his storyline and about the fact that he was alive that the writers caved and were like, okay, you know what we'll do? We'll just get everything back in line. Jocasta is now married to who she's supposed to be married to. Murta just died up against a tree with Jamie beside him. Everything's falling back into place the way the books are supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a cry and shame because there would be so many great opportunities for Murta in the future seasons. I mean... I would know, but I know that I like Murtaugh and the actor that plays him. So yeah, that's uh, a real loss. But it is a real. It was done. Loss to the it show. is. It was done very well. And Sam Hewen is so heartbreaking because he 
starts screaming, help me, help me now. Yeah. And he's bossing everyone around. John Quincy comes up and some bald guy. And Jamie's like ordering them to pick him up. He's like, we just. And John and the, Quincy's like, he dead, yo. And, I know. and Jamie's d- doesn't care. And, and then they, the whole time they're dragging him, Jamie's talking to him. He's like, I'll take you to Claire and she's going to get you fixed. And we're going to, it's going to be okay. And it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, what are the seven stages of grief? The first one is denial. And he is in hard, hard denial. And then probably one of my favorite moments is when he puts him on the table and tells Claire. Fix him. Yeah, fix him. Heal him. He keeps Heal saying. Heal him, yeah. Heal him. Do it now. And then he picks up her bag and like slams it beside her. And he's like, do it. Do what you have to do. Just do it. Yeah, and Claire's sad, but also like a little afraid. Like she, I think she has never seen Jamie like this and doesn't really know no, what he's going to do. I like know. he almost seemed like feral not, oh yeah no you know, i know what you're feral, saying but, but like he, manic and like he was, unhinged for he was sure very unhinged right? like, yes i don't yeah. think she'd seen him like that ever yeah even yeah, like feral's not the right way but you know what i mean like no like very, i know exactly not, what you're saying not who she knows and very unpredictable and yeah. yeah well and also he wasn't um he wasn't in the realm of reality yeah like, yeah and no. She knows that he should know. But yeah, she did seem kind of afraid of him. She just stood there looking. Well, I think she was also taking it in, right? Because that was a. No. Whew, that Um, was a tough scene. I just just want to go ahead and say, and I mean, there's more that that he contributes to this, but it's like, this is going to be the episode. Like, this is Sam Hewen's demo reel for the existing future. Like, he. Like, Sam, I'm proud of you, buddy. Like, he acted the shit out of this episode. Like, he was great in this episode. He is really, really, uh, especially this season, like, he is really matured as an actor. And I it, agree. It, he, he is, like, really strong in this show now. And, yeah. uh, like, he was crushing it in this episode. He was. But Katrina Balfe was also amazing in this scene because then he leaves and she who I can't even say it, she like puts her hands on Myrta's face and she says, Myrta, my friend. And it's so sad. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, it's sad. Um, Did you cry when you watched it the first time? Oh, I was crying. And you didn't the, cry with me, so. I didn't, I was, I was crying. I'm crying right now talking about it. But I did cry when I watched it the first time, but you were downstairs and I kept blowing my nose because I, always have to blow my nose when I'm crying and I was nervous that you would hear me upstairs blowing my nose and you would know that Myrta had died I was scared it would ruin it for you you might recall that I predicted Myrta was going to die in what was it episode one or yeah you did and you always predict right yeah this wasn't this wasn't a big shock to me that Myrta died for sure well it was a shock to me (laughs) (laughs) and I think to Jamie too I think I can speak for both Jamie and myself when I say this was a shock yeah no Jamie was shocked for sure Tryon comes up to celebrate with Jamie, and it is not a good time. And uh, yeah. that's when Jay Frey. I thought Jamie might kill him. For oh, real. he did. Well, he was so like he's killed other people for Murdy. Cra- yeah, crazy. And uh, I really was expect. I like. I wasn't sure if he was gonna hit him, or I. I half expected him to. I almost kind of thought he might kill that kid. Like, you know, just just out of rage. Oh, yeah. Um, He really, he just blocked him out, kind of. Yeah. He He didn't even respond to him. I think he was so... That kid, I don't know where that kid went, but I I think he realized he fucked up. 
well, and he went away. Myrta and Jamie yeah. were embracing and right. holding each yeah. other's faces as he slowly died. I think that was an indication Probably that that was the wrong person. On that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I thought he was gonna go go uh, ballistic on Tryon. He was very restrained. I, think I mean, he wasn't that restrained. And he he said, "There is the law, and then what is done? I paid my debt. I finished with my obligation with you and the crown." And then he throws the coat on the ground. But Tryon, to, to his credit, says. I'm going to ignore your insolence right now. Yeah. Due to what's happened today. But he, like, their relationship is done. It is severed. It is over. Yeah. But Tryon could have killed he him. Could've, he he could've could've have killed him, him right there. Irons right there. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was treasonous enough for someone like Tryon to turn on you. Yeah. But he, I think he was, you know, basking in the glory. And yeah. also he's leaving. So he right. was just like, I am going to, I'm going to ignore this insolence. Yeah. But uh, I don't like it. And I don't like that you threw the coat on the ground. <laughs> then he walks away. And I think that's probably all we'll see of him. Maybe not. I, I mean, don't know. I mean, depends where the show goes. I don't know. I mean, apparently he's going to become the governor of New York. I, I, I mean, that's uh, it's a pretty, pretty big position. So if this show rolls into the American Revolution, I don't know if it does. I don't know. Then, uh, you know, I feel like, I don't know. I don't think we've seen the last of Governor Tryon. Maybe we have. We'll see. Uh Claire puts a blanket over top of Myrta's face. So sad. Yeah. And then they're looking for Roger. Well, Jamie, yeah, Jamie just, looks over uh, at Brianna, and as you said, she's staring at a tree. Yeah, the tree doesn't have Roger. The tree doesn't have Roger. They go searching for Roger. Anyway. They see three men hanging, and then one of them is Roger. Now, it bothered me that he had a bag over his head, because we should have seen that it's his face, and that it's purple, and that it is Roger. But the bag over his head makes you think, maybe it's not him. Didn't you think maybe it's not him or did you know for sure it was him? You know, I, one thing that I thought was interesting is that there was no obvious. Um, well, the white cloth that Jamie had put uh, in his pocket. That, I didn't really pay attention. He had to a that. white cloth that I Jamie guess, said, wave this. Yeah, I know you're, it's true, but yeah, that was pretty subtle. Uh, yeah, like it wasn't super obvious that it was Roger, but uh, apparently it was. Why would so. they put, why would they do that? Why would they put the bag over his head? I mean, I don't know. I guess so that when he... It would have been so much more shocking if he didn't have a bag over his right. head. Right. I mean... I guess maybe when they take the bag off, they're going to realize he's not quite dead. Spoiler. <laughs> um, <laughs> he already spoiled it for me, but for anyone else out there, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, that's probably why. Okay. Well, we'll see. That's the episode. That was the whole oh, episode. And Brianna is doing a great acting job when she's watching Roger. Because yeah. she looks... She looks as you would look. She looks sad. Mm -hmm. yeah. But also, like, stunned. Right. I think that's kind of her natural state. And Jayfrey and Claire, like, what a fucking day for the two of them. It's been a bad day. It's been a bad day. Um, okay. What do you think of this episode, Megan? I'd give it 100. Oh, what? 100. Oh, one, my God. One, Ring zero, the bell. Zero. Yeah. Have we ever had a 100 here? I mean, on season Island? one is all like 114. Oh yeah, 115. I guess. I guess it's been it's been a long time. Yeah, this is a hundred. I feel like this 100 um, holds more weight because yeah. you haven't 100. You you're not like the same like starry eyed last that you were in the last few episodes one. though i've given 96s and 97s no, it's, like it's they've been, been on some an good, upward I mean, trend for think sure. about how we started with this season 
episode one of season five, I think I gave, what did I give? A Low. one, a 15? Like that Something was the Low. worst episode yeah. of Outlander I've ever. You were ready to. My eyes have ever had to watch. And now it's so good. Like yeah. they've really come around. Parts of it. There's been some real stinkers, but. Uh, no, not for no, me. No. I've loved every episode this season with the notable exception of episode one. Right. What would you give it out of 100? I mean, I would give this episode a 70, yeah. I think. 70? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, this is the first episode where if you told me I had to watch it again, I'd be like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. There I'm, you go. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a first for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was your favorite scene? Oh, I mean... Hands down, it was the Jamie Murdy death scene. Yeah. Right? Like, that was that was awesome. Like, the whole the whole thing. I mean, and then sort of, like, flowing into Jamie and Claire's interaction after. But the whole Murtaugh scene was, you know, amazing. Where, you know, where Jamie's like, I lied. I don't release you. Oh, you can't, die. you know. know, like that kind of thing. Like it's, it's like, Jay it's sad Fritz. shit. Oh, sad. Yeah, no. And, and, and like I said, Sam Hewen acted the shit out of it. And so did uh, Duncan Lacroix. He were, however you say yeah. his name. But yeah, he, I agree. he was, he was great. And, and same like classic Murdy. I know. Yeah. Oh my now goodness. Dead. Thanks book readers. Um, that was my favorite scene too. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah, the, yeah, right from when he and Murta see each other to when he throws the bag on Claire's table and says heal him. Yeah. That was my favorite scene. What was your least favorite scene? When Roger ninja snuck into the regulator camp. Yeah, that really threw you off. Yeah, it was dumb. Okay. I don't think... Anyone else would have noticed that. Maybe not, but I Roger did. is the protagonist in this story, or well, one of the them. the antagonist in my story. Um, okay, so my least favorite scene would have just been between, I mean, Roger and Brianna when they were saying goodbye to each other, yeah. but everyone knows my issues there. MVP. Oh, I mean, Sam Hewen, 100%. 100%. He was great. Yeah, I agree. How about you? Yep, same. Wow, I think that's maybe also the first time we've had the same. No, no we, must we often, often, yeah. I just feel like we're very in line on this episode. I think we are. Doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, there you go. It was a good one. I don't know how they're gonna. I mean, it can only go downhill from here. So now that Murta's gone. Yeah, exactly, and and just like I don't know what they're gonna do. Like, how many episodes do we have left in the season? So this was seven, and we have twelve. So we've got eight, nine, right. ten. We, we have five, five more. But, they... Oh, there's there's a two week break now. There's not going to be a new episode next week, which is no really upsetting. Way. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? They do listen. No, you Thanks, know what? Guys. You're smiling and acting all happy, but during this pandemic, it has been no, really nice doing this podcast true, and watching Outlander. It really escapism. Has. So we're gonna miss it next week. That's true. We'll do maybe we'll do a podcast next week where we'll just watch something else and just like mm, we'll surprise I don't think, you I don't randomly. Think so. I don't think that's what. Maybe we'll I'll do. just do it and post it without you. Special we'll see treat. what a special treat it'll be like a oh my goodness it'll be like a, a Game of Thrones rewatch or a Witcher okay Witcher binge watch okay probably not uh, oh my goodness 
Okay, well, I think that's a wrap. Okay. That's a wrap. All right, well, have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Promise me I'll be back in time.